Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, PSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games. Oh, God. I, <laughs> Shit is already off the rails. Yeah, I wish, I really, we need to do, remember the behind the scenes idea we, we had for Patreon? That. Like, we need yeah. to do something. Just with start just recording. the shit I say before, before the show starts. I'm just going to record the pre-show and then post it. Uh, yeah, anyway, we, uh, we're we going to have a big debate about the different ways there are to chew gum tonight. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we are. Uh, let's we just might. get things started because we have a lot to get to. Let's lead it off with the returning hero. And me. Steph Licious, the Steph Driver. Hi, everybody. I've missed you. I've missed you a lot. Dr. Nick. I'm Stephanie. <laughs> we just did five reference. minutes about how you never should have come back. I never should have come back. <laughs> Um, I should have stayed in Australia where everything is good and not bad. This honeycomb candy is real good. I brought everybody candy and it's called Violet Crumble. Everybody go get some. You can't because it's in Australia. I'm sure there Suckers. are ways. Um, it's very good. And I listened to every single podcast while I was gone. And by that, I mean on the plane on the way back. Um, and I, I have some thoughts, folks. Uh, Before you get started, I, how long is the plane ride? So, all right. There are multiple plane yes, rides. I, I, like, total travel time. Um, 21 hours. Ooh. There. On the way back, it was 23. Not including all of the delays that happened in between LA and JFK, which was an absolute nightmare. It sounds like it. It was. Re- I lived in JFK Airport for a little while. Um. Yeah, that sucked. But the flight there isn't bad because, all right, you've got Philly to, or I flew out of New York because it was cheaper. So JFK to LA, five hours, which is not a short flight, but it's not 21, it's not 16 hours. Um, So you get off, I don't know what you're doing, but you're cutting off sound for me. All right. What are your what are your thoughts? So anyway, so you get on you get on the long the long flight and then you're there. And once you're there, everything's fine. Coming home, the long flight is first, and that fucking sucks because then you've got another flight, at least one other flight until you're home, and then that's just a whole thing. Okay. So anyway, my thoughts on the top twenty five under twenty five. So Robert Hague. How many of you left him off your list? This bitch. I didn't leave him off, but he was like 21. Charlie, between you, I know you didn't do a list. but it, I, I think he was on my list, but he was probably like 23 or 24. All right. So I had him. I don't have my list in front of me. I'm already breaking my own rules. Um, I had him somewhere on my list, but he was on my list because he's an NHL player. And I... Is he though? Yes, he has played nearly two full seasons in the NHL. He is an NHL player. But I will bring up your criteria from just last season because you dislike Scott Lawton. 
I you, think I put them on my list. You put list. them on you your list, but you said you do not you. take that into account. You said you didn't take the NHL time into account because if they're bad, they're bad. No, and it wouldn't have been last year because I loved Scott Lawton last year. The beginning of last year? Yeah. Yeah, I think Steph's right. It might have been like two it years ago. It was probably two years ago when he was playing in the AHL yeah. when Did we I no longer two thought. Years ago? Yeah, you've so. worked here for like four years. Really? Yeah, I know. Uh, time flies, man. I know. We'll be dead soon. Oh, yeah, easily. For sure. I mean, we will be. (laughs) Um, I don't remember what I was saying. You were going to yell at us for Robert Haig. Oh, it's just like he's an NHL player. He's an NHL player. Is he, though? Yes. He's he's played nearly nearly two full seasons in the NHL. And, I mean, that's Mm. the same as Nolan Patrick. That's the same as Travis Connect. He's played three. Um, Yeah, but they're good. Yeah, I mean... Ron like Hextall decided. Yuri Laterra played a whole bunch of games, yeah, like too. Robert yeah. Hague's an NHLer because we have a... Yuri Laterra has a much bigger sample size saying, no, he's not good. I mean, two full seasons. That's a, a long time, right? That's a big, that's a big yeah. enough sample, I would organization say. Organization of people who are like, actually, guys who don't make plays, that's good. Because yeah. if you never try, you won't mess it up. We know he sucks. Right. From the athletic.com. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie, I, lost, I lost my train of thought because we were talking about other stuff. Charlie O'Connor. Hello. So... There's been a lot of debate, probably because there's nothing else to debate about in August, <laughs> on these uh, NHL network lists. Oh, I love and lists. And here's the thing. It's that I am totally on board with people complaining about the list, but there seemed to be, particularly with the Couturier snub, this idea that the NHL network people are biased against the Flyers. That, you know, they, they, they underrate the Flyers all the time. This is bullshit. Well, you know what? John Gibson was ranked the 10th best goalie in hockey. That was hilarious. He's probably one of the top three, if not (laughs) the best. So it's not that they're biased against the Flyers. It's that they're just bad at evaluating talent. Mm -hmm. That's it. it, it, There's no bias here. They're just not good at deciding why players, which players, are actually good. Or they're very good at getting interactions. Yeah, or that. (laughs) I mean, that's the whole point of lists. That's why you do a radio or a TV segment on a list. If everyone agreed they wouldn't share it they'd be like oh look a list yeah cool and move on with their day it's just different it's just that's the hot take world of radio and television speaking of hot takes i know this has already been very well covered on this show but kevin hayes just hates us <laughs> is that that's what happened <laughs> kevin hayes hates us oh no he hates us <laughs> we, so much he made a seven-year commitment oh to play here. man i hate when that again. happens i know I, charlie i know i hate when i get forced into signing contracts in a place that i hate <laughs> For, for literally seven years. No, remember, Bryce Harper <laughs> wanted nothing happened. to do with Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, Bryce Harper hated He hated us so much, he wanted a 13-year contract with no outs and a no-movement oh, clause. man. And he I bought those that. shoes that were yeah, very specific. Yeah. Oh, doesn't Kevin city. Hayes have a no-move, no-trade contract yeah, clause? Yeah, he's the only guy we've signed in like a decade. Oh, with man. No I hate it when that happens. Yeah, yeah. Being forced into contracts in places that you hate. The fly man. By, the fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. I might hate Kevin Hayes, though. I'm <laughs> <laughs> being honest. Okay, tell he's, me more. Uh, uh, he's uh, one of those. He's one of those? One of those, you know, chair sports people, if you know what I mean. Oh, the mm. chair poops. The chair poops. The chair poops. Yeah, I just think that's <laughs> he's a like, chair poop. I think that's just like middle 20s. Uh, so, like, like, to be fair, I would assume that every NHL hockey player is a chair poop fan. Yeah, I mean, they all He's are. pretty aggressive, like, though. But he's very yeah. aggressively yeah. pro-chair poop. Here's, the, here's yeah. the thing. He's he's a man, number one, and number two, he's from the Boston, Massachusetts yes. area. And, like, 
every to single jog. man between the ages of 20 and 35. <laughs> I would say I would say like 80% of the men in the Boston, Massachusetts area are fans of that website. Yeah, that's fair. He's a jock. Like they yeah. speak directly to people who are or think that more specifically the ones who think, think. they yes. are. But he's I mean, that's this is why I don't listen when like that's why I hate post game press conferences. Because you're only gonna make me dislike you. You know how the <laughs> number of times I've had a press too. conference that I'm like, yeah. Like the one I can think of is Chip Kelly. Like the, we're from Philadelphia and we fight. Like I bought a shirt that said that that night when they killed the Bears. <laughs> and like how'd that work out? He turned out to be a douche. Well, but but he yeah. had one Accurate. good press conference. Yeah, Kevin Hayes can make me like him. Yeah. But right now, eh. well, I mean, eh. yeah, you know, eh. His name's Kevin Hayes. What are your global like, sense? On, you know, <laughs> anyone named Kevin is bad. Yeah. Last, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. You have a five. five I thought it was funny. <laughs> one syllable first names just bad. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Yeah. Last but certainly not least, the intros are going to be half the show. <laughs> our special guest this week, our journalist in the field, Madeline Campbell. What's up, Maddie? Not too much. Like, really not too much. No, I know. <laughs> There's literally <laughs> nothing happening. I um, wanted a fifth person. One, for your expertise, but also because, like, five people, it just takes less time to get through an hour. Do you five think that I couldn't fill, fill an hour myself? <laughs> uh, Kelly I haven't I, been here for a month. We Kelly did and I did a duo show. I'm I know. Not saying it's I not listened. Possible. I'm just saying I'm lazy. I, I truly listened. went into some kind of fugue state during that hour. I have no idea what we talked about. <laughs> no, I have literally no idea. <laughs> it was good. I listened. All right. I yelled, but I also listened. <laughs> All right. So listen. Let Maddie talk. Oh, right. Maddie. Hey. Oh, I didn't really have a like a hit. Oh, but okay. All right. I cool. feel like I show up here once a year. And my head is always like, I'm just so excited to be here. But we're prospect talking still. We're like two weeks out from rookie camp. This is my time. Yes. I'm excited. I'm excited for hockey to be back. I'm, last week I was excited for hockey to be back, and these two talked me out of it immediately. <laughs> now we're done. Yeah, we're over it already. Shit, never mind. Uh, so listen. Uh, this is going to be a little yelling about sports kind of aside, but I think it just ties in. You have my attention, sir. Yeah. So I don't think Andrew Luck is a bad guy. I don't think anybody should key his car or burn a bag of dog shit on his porch or anything. And I'm definitely not calling him soft. The dude played in the NFL and got hurt and played. I'm not calling him soft. But I will say that if the most important player on a team that I rooted for just up and retired two weeks before the season started, my opinion would be, yo, fuck that guy. Fan culture can be over the top, and it can be oftentimes toxic, and we don't know all about it. I'm just saying, like, it's also the reason the business of sports exists. With a not just athletes, not just owners, GMs, like, for everyone in this room, if not for fan culture, would make significantly less in their paychecks. That's just the way it is. And as a fan, my interest lies, first and foremost, with the team. I don't think I have a right to demand Andrew Luck play if he doesn't want to. And I don't think I have a right to say to call him soft or demand answers out of him or anything. But when he makes a decision, that just kind of flies in the face of my pursuit of happiness. <laughs> I get to say, yo, fuck oh that guy. Oh, my God. That, that's, it's a, just like Jason Wirth. Jason Wirth took the money from the Washington Nationals he had every right to, and it would have been stupid not to. But... When he comes into Citizens Bank Park to defeat the Phillies, my opinion of him is now, yo, fuck that guy. And that's how I feel. Like, if Sean Couturier up and retired on September 20th, I'd be like, well, fuck him. 
Like, that's how okay. I would feel. And right. everyone who booed Andrew Luck had every right to because he quit. You can call it anything else. I'm not calling him a quitter. I'm saying he quit. Because he did. He quit playing. He okay. once played for you, and then he stopped. I've got, like, three things to say here. Okay. Number one, there's there's a problem when the team knew before preseason started that he was going to retire and then let Why him play. Why was he play. there? Exactly. Why was he there? Why did the team know and let this happen? Why well, didn't he just well, not show well, up? I think they knew. My understanding is that they knew, like, two weeks ago that he was considering it. That he hadn't actually made the final decision yet, and I think they were hoping that he wasn't going to. Okay. So then the next is, I mean, if this is what's best for him and his family, who gives a shit? Like, how he, he owes nothing to you. I didn't say you owed me anything. Okay. I don't care if he does it. That's fine. It's all well and good as a fan of the team because he chose to do it two weeks before the season started as opposed to Rob Gronkowski who did it when the season ends, which is the professional thing to do. Like, if I were to just not show up next week, that'd be unprofessional. I mean, right? I'd be upset. <laughs> so, two weeks' notice is generally what you do. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I, I just think that's funny. Like, he just decided, okay, I'm done. And, and I, like, I, I, as get... a fan of that team, I'd say, fuck him. I'm not going to go. I don't think he deserves to burn in hell for it. I don't think he's a bad guy because of it. But since I'm a Colts fan, say I'm a Colts fan, I would go. All right, I don't like that person anymore because they did something that bothered me. In your pursuit of happiness. Yes! <laughs> when my sports teams win, oh I am happy. Yeah, when but the there's best no player on that team decides yeah. he's going to go be a stay-at-home dad, which is also my ultimate goal. Power to you, bro. But like, if he decides <laughs> that, oh, guess what? I don't like you anymore. All right, well, yeah. you know what the good news is? We have somebody who is actually an Indianapolis Colts fan yeah, here at the is table. A Colts fan. Hey, are yeah. you? Yeah, the Colts are my second favorite team. What in the world? No uh, things about Charlie today. So, <laughs> I'm like sort of on board with your thinking, but not entirely. So here, here is my my viewpoint of the whole Andrew Luck fans are booing him thing. To me. That was a perfectly rational thing for fans to do when you're literally sitting in a at stadium the at the game and then it starts spreading through the crowd because everybody's looking at their phones that, oh, wait, this season that like I thought we had a chance to win the Super Bowl, yeah, it's dead because our starting quarterback is no longer playing football. Like any fan base, I know everyone was raking Colts fans over the Colts. Every oh, single NFL, every single sports fan base would have done that. This was not unique to Indianapolis. Everyone would have done that if their best player in a potential championship season out of nowhere is like, yeah, I'm done. He's getting booed. They're booing him. Now, at the same time, with the benefit of a couple days of thinking about it, those fans should then acknowledge that, hey, this guy is playing a sport that destroys, you know, destroys you physically and he has every right to make a decision based on his health and for the and you know, to whatever's best for him and his family. So in the long term, I think fans should be able to rationally accept that this wasn't meant to ruin our lives. This is based on his life, and it's a decision that he is perfectly, you know, perfectly capable and has every right to make. And we shouldn't hold this against him for the rest of his life, or whatever. But in the moment, I don't think there was anything unforgivable about them booing him. It was just what you do as a fan. I, I just—it's the same. I mean, they literally watched their Super Bowl hopes disappear within, like, in like in a snap. With last night at Citizens Bank Park, Reese Hoskins got booed, and apparently, um, all world or Sean Rodriguez had something to say about it. He's hitting 178 the last three years. Um, <laughs> I don't bum. know what that means. It's fine. Uh, He's a like, bum. He's a bum. Yeah. Okay. He's not very good. 
He's a bum. Just because, you, like, fans have the right to boo no matter what. You chose to take this job. Booing is part of the job, whether it's your stadium or away. You're going to get booed sometimes. If you don't like it, choose another line of work. That that's If you're going to say fans don't have the right to boo, you're wrong. Dead wrong. I mean, truthfully, in my mind, the, the people that screwed this up the most, shockingly, because they tend to do this a lot, are the Colts. No, it's be, unbelievable be, to be that organization yeah. and that poorly run. Well, here, here's the thing. They knew about, they knew he was retiring. They knew the final decision. They knew Friday afternoon. Okay, so they have it. They have a decision. It's like, okay, do we do the press conference announcing the retirement now before it inevitably leaks, or do we wait two days and after a preseason game that our team is playing? And they're like, now nah, let's wait two days because we want Andrew Luck to be able to fly his family into town. Like, are you fucking kidding me? There was no way that was not going to leak. The entire organization knew there was no way that some wasn't going to tell their brother who was then going to be like, holy shit, I have the scoop of the year. I'm calling Adam Schefter like or DMing. Like, seriously, this was going to come out. And the idea that the Colts thought that they could keep this under wraps for 48 hours was unbelievable. Yeah, that, that was is unbelievably yeah. stupid. And it was that was what did this whole thing because if they would have had the press conference on Friday, it could have been like a dignified thing and you know he explains why and everybody accepts it. And then hey, you know what? If that happens, I bet if that happens, I bet if they do the press conference on Friday and you give Colts fans a full day to accept it and you know kind of process the fact that okay, this guy's got the shit beat out of him and that's why he's retiring. I bet if he was out there on the field a day later, I bet they would have cheered him. Probably. I bet they would have cheered him. But because it came out of absolute nowhere, while Luck was literally on the sidelines at the game, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Yeah, it's. Management ruins everything. They do often ruin everything. The Ursays are stupid. Anyway, let's move on to the top 25, under 25. We are Yay. coming in. Uh, we're just going to lead it off with number 13, Charlie's favorite, Wade Allison. I call every... I call every... Uh, Ginge. Yeah, all, all of them. But every prospect... <laughs> we have a lot of them. Every prospect that I haven't seen, but I know Charlie... Like, uh, okay. like I've read that Charlie likes them, I just say it's Charlie's favorite. <laughs> There. So, Wade Allison, what are our thoughts on this guy? He's at Western Michigan, right? Anxiety. Sign a goddamn contract. Well, it's it's got to be next year now, right? Yeah. It's got to yeah. be at the, yeah, at the end of his Committed. collegiate season. I'd like to note that I had him ranked at 13, so I fucking nailed this one. Oh, good job. Proud of you. Bill is eating Australian candy, <laughs> which is very crunchy. Wade so, Allison, Wade no. Allison, we're you know talking it, about him. It's the last August show. Might as well. No, I think the, the big question, obviously, with Wade Allison is whether he's going to sign or not. And Wade, please. There was a... I feel like there was a lot more worries about that prior to development camp because for the first time in development camp, we got some actual answers as to why he hadn't signed yet. Because... For the last two years, the Flyers have wanted him to sign. Like, they have been pushed. That's why it was so concerning, because it was like, okay, why isn't this guy signing? The Flyers have been pushing this. They really like him. Everyone in the organization is very high on Wade Allison. Why isn't this guy signing? And what you find out at development camp is that basically his viewpoint, Wade Allison's viewpoint is, he doesn't want to sign until he feels like he's 100% healthy. And this ACL recovery process took way longer than he thought it was going to. Like, even at development camp, he was not 100%. He was at least good enough that he could look pretty good at development camp, but he wasn't 100%. And his thing is that he doesn't want to start his pro career. He doesn't want to start his pro career at less than 100% and then get buried on the AHL depth chart or have to spend time in the ECHL because he's not as good as he can be, and then his pro career is off to a weird start. He wants to come in 
at 100% and take a real run at an NHL job or, at the very least, a high spot in the depth chart on the AHL team. I, mean, I really respect that, to be honest. Yeah. Honestly, I think the bigger concern for me is that the knee might just be fried. The injury. Like, yeah. Yeah. We're like a year and a half out from it, and he said at development camp that sometimes it still hurts him, like going up the stairs, getting out of his car. Like, well, he that, that worries good, me. I mean... That's getting old. My knees hurt all the time. Every yeah, but he's day. like 23. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. Sometimes your knees just hurt. They're garbage joints. Yeah. I believe I have support here. It's true. I mean, it, hurting isn't really a problem. Hurting isn't a problem It doesn't mean it's going to like it pop out of an injury. Yeah. It and slows it down, though. It, of course it does. Maybe. But I, I mean, he looked pretty good at at dev camp. He did. I thought. The skating. The, the weird thing with Allison is that, like, even before these injuries hit, he wasn't a finished product skating-wise. The, mm-hmm. the whole thing was that, you know, hopefully his skating will get better. I don't think it was I don't think it was ever as bad as his biggest detractors thought because it, it, it never it, it never looked clean. But he got to where he needed to go. But you were like, okay, well, if he can clean it up a little bit, then maybe he can get to where he needs to go even faster. And then he had the knee injury, so he hasn't really been working on improving that at all. So basically for the last, you know, year and a half the big thing you wanted to see him try to get better has been unable to get better because he spent his whole time just trying to, you know, be able to skate without pain. But even with mediocre skating, he's still a good player. Oh, yeah. No, I, I really like him as a prospect. Yeah. I think I, I had him... Hold on, I've got my rankings. I have him ranked at 11, which is above Robert Haig, for the record, <laughs> who is an NHL player. Well, he is. He plays in the NHL. Yeah, but does I he mean, belong there? Chris yeah. Vandeville, he did for a long time. I, I think oh, what, what I like, what I'm happy about with Allison is that, at the very least, he it's he's trending upwards from a health standpoint. Okay. Like if this was a case where he was just like, "Well, I'm at sixty percent, and I guess this is the new normal." Like he does yeah. seem to be improving now. Whether he just tops out at ninety percent of what he was, it's possible. But at the very least, it's getting it seems to be getting better, if slowly. Yeah, I yelled at him at, at rookie camp to sign a contract. Kelly helped me, so I think he's going to now. 13 seems like a decent spot for him. Yeah. Like yeah. Back end of the high end guys. He was Is 12. He was 12 in the winter. Um, so he's moved back a little bit, but that's just one spot. I'm not really concerned about it. It's, yeah. a, it's also fair to know with him that like there isn't even even setting aside the injury entirely. There isn't a scouting consensus on this guy. Like some scouts think he's great and some scouts think he's garbage. So, you know, like. For example, the next guy on this list, scouts in general just think he's going to be very good, or at least good. Whereas, if you talk to a scout that is high on on Wade Allison, they like, oh, he's going to be like a Chris Kreider type. I love the way he plays; he's great. And you talk to scouts that aren't high on him, it's like, yeah, he's not; he's never going to make the NHL. So he was a divisive prospect even before these injuries hit, and now these injuries hit, and now it's now it's just adding another variable into a guy who kind of was a like a high variance type of prospect. Speaking of scouts, because I wasn't here for this show, I am so upset at myself and embarrassed that I left Noah Cates off my 25 under 25. Usually I have him in the the early 20s, and I am just, I've loved Noah Cates for a very long time, and I'm embarrassed that I left him off for yeah, Wyatt threw, Wiley. Yeah, I threw him on at the end of my list, and I was kind of surprised he yeah. fell back a little bit. No, Wyatt I love Wiley's him. Wiley's a great name. It, it is, is a really good, good name, and, and I'm really excited about him, but... Not as much as I am Noah Cates. Dub so, dub. Sucks. <laughs> Got for a number 22 on him. Oh, boy. 
Nothing. All right, so where were we? Uh, number 12, Yam Cork. Yam! Yam. Cam York comes in at number 12. Uh, I think I had him at like 10, but seems like a good debut for um, the next Brian Leach, right? I had oh, him boy. at 16. Um, and I don't think that there's a real reason I had him so low other than I've only seen him once with pros. That's really it. So that I don't remember doing my rankings. Well, this kind of goes back to <laughs> Kelly's thing where Kelly like doesn't. Thing. Yeah, she she doesn't really tend to rank guys that were just drafted as high as maybe other people would because she wants to see them do it. Post-draft. Yeah, I don't I don't do that per se. Um, I did hear her say that and I don't necessarily do that. I, I just I don't know why he's so low other than. I, I don't know why I ranked him so low. I can't remember anything that happened before this flight to Australia. So To Kelly's, I feel like there is, maybe this is just a lot of prospects, but I pay attention because it's the Americans. I feel like when there's really high, highly ranked uh, national program guys, they take a little bit of a step back. Like, not 100%. I'm saying I just feel like a lot of them don't live up to the potential hype. Well, I think even that, if they're good, I think even that, if they end up being good, nice, good prospects, I, I don't, I don't know if I would agree with that. Okay. But I, what I would say is that, and this was actually one Maybe of my this is just key for Bell. Well, this was one of my concerns about <laughs> Cam York going into the draft, um, and it's still a concern. I, it, I've the more I've watched of him, the less I have this concern. But it's still there. Is that that U.S. national team in particular was just so loaded? Yeah. That. You assume when you have a team that's that good and it's going to produce that many NHLers, more, more likely than not, there's one or two guys on that team that weren't as good as you thought they were. They were just playing with great players at the time that made them look better than they were. And the thing is, you don't really know who they are. It's like it's, Alabama football. Like, like You just don't know until they get away from them. And it's like, oh, that yeah. guy who we thought was really good actually was just good because he was next to Jack Hughes, a.k.a. Yeah. Oliver Wallstrom. No, it's it that definitely yeah that team especially a concern. We, Morgan Frost had a lot of the same. All right, how good is he really? But I feel like he kind of quelled those fears. What do you think about Cam York, Maddie? Very excited. I was actually watching or rewatching the U eighteen bronze medal game. Like NHL Network had it on the other day, and I just put it on while I was eating breakfast. And he looked so good in that game, and I just. The more I watch him, the more I feel so much guilt for ever not having wanted him. I, listen, it wasn't that we. I I just wanted the. the I, I mean, I think Kaufman is going to be really good too. Yeah. Yeah. That's Donovan the thing. McNabb, I just wanted Ricky Williams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Listen, worked, I'm going to love Cam just fine, but now, I wanted you know. I'll tell you why I'm not at this. Uh, Cam York might end up being our number one defenseman one day. Uh, everything you read about the kid, every time you watch him, stand out. And maybe we'll start to have a little bit different sense with the new regime. But number one reason I'm not that excited is just because, like, when am I going to really get to see him up here? When is Cam York going to be in orange and black playing on Broad Street? Like, when, like do we have any sort of sense? Because everything I read about him, it's like, hey, he's ghost but smart. I'm like, well, then he should be ready kind of soon if he has all the sense. I mean, it's going to be interesting because, I mean... I imagine he's probably going to get at least a year in the AHL, but there's going to be spots open after this season. They've got they had to bring in a ton of guys just on AHL contracts to fill out the roster this year. So for next season, there's definitely going to be openings, not just for York, but for any of the the college defensemen. If they really have a good seasons, they you know 
could make the jump. So it could be soon. He could be kind of making his way up, um, which I think is exciting. See, Maddie says one year. I was going to say three or four. So I don't, I, it really depends, I think, what he does this year in college. Yeah. I feel like if he if it's taking him three or four years to make the NHL, I'm very disappointed in how he progressed. Like, I, I, I feel I feel like... I mean, just kind of look at what they did with Farabee. I mean, they it's this regime that did it. They signed Farabee after one year. If he, if Cam York has a really good freshman year in college, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't push to get him here as quickly as possible. Okay. He's their guy. This is the first. It, it, you know, we, we talked about for years about how, well, Travis Sanheim was Hextall's guy. Well, Cam York is this regime's guy. He's their first first-round pick. And that worked out so well. Well, I mean, now Not, not that good. Sanheim isn't good. Yeah. Just, you know. The treatment of, you know, the travesty. The travesty. Yeah, I I think York, yeah, I, I think he could, it, it's it's all about, like, how how quickly he physically develops. Because the the hockey sense appears to be there. You never really know. Yeah, we'll have, pretty, to, see, we'll have to see how he does in his first year in college. But the hockey sense appears to be there. The puck skills appear to be there. It's just a matter of him getting strong enough to, to make the jump. And how quickly that happens, I don't know. I guess it depends on, you know. How much you know? How much he works out, and what kind of eating program he gets on in in Michigan. I don't know. Number eleven on our top twenty five under twenty five list, <laughs> Kelly. Germ. Yeah, let's hear it. The germ. I'm the germ. The germ. No, he is. I want him to get the three wing spot now, just for the <laughs> just to do the germ every I night. quit. <laughs> <laughs> the germ. I've been back for twenty minutes and I quit. Rubstav. Right? No, uh, I, I left during the intros a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Walked out of the room. Garman Rubstav, uh, the germ. What was he? Twenty sixteen first round pick. Uh, Comes in at number 11, was off to a real good start for the Phantoms last year, has that season-ending shoulder injury, and now it's kind of a question mark where, uh, not, uh, yeah, kind of a question mark where he fits in the organization. Like, he, I I like him a lot for a bottom six role in the NHL this year. You don't know how the new regime feels about the old regime's guys, so you got to give it a look there. But what do we think about the germ and his prospects? Rubstav, I'm sorry. I won't call him the germ exclusively. Thank you. How do we feel about his prospects to uh, make the NHL at some point this upcoming season? Not saying out of camp right away, but at some point this year, we're going to see the germ. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I would imagine he'd be pretty high on the injury call-up list. Yeah. Um, I really like the kind of player that he's turned into, which is good considering where we stood with him last year, this time last year coming off of short stints with a handful of teams and not really knowing what kind of player he is and if he can actually put his skills together. he He's turned into um, a feisty dude, and he's got some size on him, too. Yeah, that was something that really stood out to me. I've actually been going back and watching a lot of the or rewatching a lot of the Phantoms games from last season. Um, and something I guess I didn't really put together in the moment was how it seems like he's probably pretty close to physically ready for yeah. the NHL like yeah. watching him just pretty consistently out muscle like AHL veterans like grown ass men was kind of surprising like considering how young he is so yeah underrated detail i think of his game besides the obvious amounts of skill no i think i think i said it on the show that you know obviously after development camp the hype was around understandably around Morgan Frost around Joel Farabee but you know, the thing with Rupsoff that was, in my mind, really stood out over those few days of development camp was that you watched him on the ice 
and he looked like an NHL just player. Polished. Like and and not even just like the polish and the the smarts that stood out, but I'm just talking about like you watch a guy on the ice and he physically looks like he's an NHL okay. player. And like Joel Farabee does not physically look like an sure. NHL player. Yeah. He's got the skills and he's got the smarts, but he still is thin. German Rusoff looks sturdy. Like he just looks like, yeah, you know, I if if you took him and just popped him on an HLI service, yeah, I feel like he he would hang in there. The the one thing about Rupsoff that does understand it has to worry you a little bit is the injuries. I mean, he's consistently had injury issues, and you mentioned, well, he could be an injury call up. Well, you can't be an injury call up if you if yourself you are, injured. are injured. So you can't make the club in the tub, fam. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I you know, I'm on record as saying I think he has a shot of making this team out of camp because I think he's the type of player that will impress the types of coaches that they hired. But there is a legitimate concern. Number one, obviously, he only played 14 games last year. You might want to see him get more playing time in the AHL before you jump him. And number two, he just has to prove he can stay healthy because yeah. he's got injured a lot. I mean, on the flip side of that, he's only played the you know the 14 games. But we're also looking at Morgan Frost, Joel Farabee, who have played zero. Yeah, and uh, just, just to put a bow on it, Charlie, uh, Kiefer Bellows, 73 games in the AHL last year, 19 points, 101 penalty minutes. So, Well, I mean, he's got the penalty minutes one. for you. Yeah, <laughs> swing and a miss on that yeah, one. Yeah, I, I like Kiefer uh, Bellows I loved a lot. him. I loved him. I was real. That's why I didn't like the germ. <laughs> I was pissed because they could have had Bellows, and they're like, nah, we're good. And that made me angry. All right, coming in at number 10, I, is he my favorite prospect? He might be. Really? Isaac, I'm a, I, I, love, I love the big boys. Well, you were, <laughs> I, I, but I, I can buy that because, like, you were high on him even before the Flyers took that, him. That's, yeah. And then those, those are the guys you tend to stick with. The guys no, I, who, like, one of the, I mean, I really, really like Joel Farabee as a prospect, but part of the reason why I yeah. love him so much is because he was the guy I wanted them to take. Mm-hmm. Like, from the minute I started doing research and I watched a couple of his games, I'm like, this guy is going to be really good. The Flyers need to get this guy. And then when they did, it's like, okay, well, now I'm totally on board. Yeah, and I just was like, he was a, he had a pretty decent like mid round grade in a couple of places, and I like he's like six seven. It's like, oh well, pretty he's big. a large. Yeah, boy. I, I want that. That sounds good. But yeah, Ratcliffe, <laughs> he'll be with the Phantoms this year. How do we think that's going to go? I love Isaac Ratcliffe, and I really, really want to see him with the Flyers. Everything that you like about him, I like about him, and it just makes me uncomfortable agreeing with you on so many levels. I'm excited to see what he does at the pro level. I mean, I feel like that's really where you get an idea of what these guys are going to be. Is so. he still skinny? Like not not no. as much. Yeah. Like six six two oh one. That's a skinny guy. He still wants to put yeah. more weight on, but he definitely is much bigger than he was a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. I think he's a beefy boy, or okay. at least he will be. Yeah, he'll he, get there. Yeah, I think it's funny with Radcliffe, like. The weird part about you know, obviously he's a big guy, so you think, oh, well, he's just going to manhandle people, and he—that's not really his game. No, you know, he's in, in a weird sort of way. He kind of reminds me a little bit of JVR. Mm-hmm. Like you know, he's got the soft hands around the net. You know, he's got an instinct for scoring goals. He's got the same thing. Like JVR has definitely slowed down as he's gotten older, but when he was first with the Flyers, like. He had a really good top gear. It just took oh, yeah. him time to get to it. Now he doesn't even really show that anymore. But Racco's kind of the same way, where like his first couple steps aren't great. But once he gets going, I mean, he can really just go around you. Uh, JVR had that uh, like that little cut-in move yeah. where he just, he wasn't 
out muscling the defender. He was getting inside of him yeah. and like turning him, and it was oh wow, yeah, okay, this guy can move too. I, I wonder if he will not be very popular with the Flyers fans the same way JVR was at the beginning because they wanted him to be a power forward and he's not. There might be an element to that, but I do think the part, the hate of JVR was that he was a second overall yeah, pick. That's true. Yeah. And that he wasn't Patrick yeah, Kane. Yeah, that was some not Patrick Kane stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. And like, he wasn't great when he first started. Yeah, he, he became okay. good, and then we were like, oh, we got to get rid of him because he just got hurt and now... Uh, and he's know. soft and yeah. all that other crap. Yeah. <sighs> Ratcliffe, just work out for me, bro. Just work out for me. Yeah, I mean, he was named by... Uh, I forget if it was Fletcher or Flair, but one of the two did name him as someone who will be in the mix at camp. I do not see him. Like, I just think he's one of those guys where, like, yeah, if he happens to have an absolutely dominant camp, maybe he gets in the mix. But he needs a little bit more work, at least in comparison to guys, I think, like Frost and Faraby. That's, uh, I read that because I remember when we talked about it, and I don't remember if it was Fletcher or Flair, but I remember, like, he might just be one of those guys who hangs around in camp because they just want to keep getting looks at him. Like, all right, yeah, Mark Friedman's not making this team out of camp, but we're keeping him around a little longer than you thought we would. I think he could get that kind of look. Number nine, number nine, everyone's favorite, Joel Farabee. My boy. Is he getting this job? God, I hope so. I don't think, I actually don't think that he will because he's still so slight, but I really want to see him. It makes me nervous. Because he's so little? Yeah, like it's not even. Obviously, he's skilled enough that I think he can hang at the NHL level, and it's not like, oh, I don't think he's going to win enough board battles. Like, I'm just genuinely concerned that he would get hurt. Yeah, and that's, I mean, listen, the game has changed, but they do still hit. Like, it could, and I kind of have the concern with Ratcliffe a little bit the same way. Just, it's different, but just that I know tall guys. Kind of got to look down to puck handle sometimes. He's got a lot of skill. Like, he's more skilled than most dudes. I mean, pretty much no one's his size. But, like, most big guys have to look down to puck handle a little bit. Well, if you're a rookie at 6'6", looking down at your feet, you're going to get killed. Uh, So, Farabee, kind of, if you're a little guy. And it's a rookie out there. They're going to look to take some shots. They want to see how tough you are. And the referees don't give you every call when you're a rookie because we don't enforce the rules. We kind no, of interpret no. them and, you know, utilize them as we see fit. So the interesting thing about Farabee, and I, I don't, if I had to guess, I don't think he'll make the team. I want him to make the team, but I, I don't think he will. But the really interesting about thing about it is that the people around Team USA think he's going to make the team. Like they, or at the very least, they think he's going to be in the NHL by December. Like they, right. they, they were, uh, from what I've gathered, everybody that was around that uh, the, the the juniors uh, showcase thing, which is basically like kind yeah. of like your first chance to make an impression as to why you should be on the junior team. Like all the journalists around there were like, yeah, I mean, it seems like they think that there's a pretty darn good chance that Farabee's just not going to be, be available for this tournament. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So. Like that's not the Flyers, and there there there's a very clear distinction between what Team USA thinks and what the Flyers think. But they seem to think there's a pretty good chance that like, yeah, it's great that Joel Farabee's kicking ass at the showcase, but like we're not necessarily expecting to have him available for this tournament. Well, with Mister State of Hockey now, maybe there isn't so much uh, so much difference <laughs> between Team USA and what the Flyers think. <laughs> I mean, Minnesota and Team USA, it's pretty much the same thing. But so that and that's interesting to me because that was where like. This was back in, in July when we were reading all those articles that were saying, you know, Joel Farabee, get excited, Philadelphia. He's coming. Like, that was all stemming from 
what they were hearing around the showcase and the idea of Team USA being like, yeah, he might not be available for us. Yeah, none of that was local. That was all was like all TSN, yeah. Hockey News. And like that, that was and, and all coming from And that's elsewhere. where it stemmed from. Yeah, the yeah. coaches there were like, yeah, I mean, if Farabee's on this team, he's a first liner. He's great. We love him, but like he might not be. And it's like, okay, well, they are the ones who just saw him play competitively most recently. Mm-hmm. And they think he might be NHL ready. So, shit, maybe he shows up in September, just blows the doors off. That'd be awesome. All right, fam, we are going to take a quick ad break, and then we are going to get a little deeper into that uh, third-line wing spot we believe to be the open uh, open spot on this roster. So let's break for an ad, and we will be right back on the other side. All right, and we are back. Here we are. Uh, guys, I have some terrible, terrible news. I have maybe – should they just cancel the season? Tyler yes. Pitlick yeah, is, is, is injured. So. Oh, no. I, I hate to frame it like this because I have nothing against no, Tyler Pitlick. No, he's fine, Pitlick. but I didn't want him to But his inclusion team. in this top nine last week sent me into a depression that I, got <laughs> over, that I got over about an hour and a half ago just to be able to start this show. So, like, this does make it more interesting. You hate to see anyone get hurt, and the Flyers need depth. Like, there are going to be injuries throughout the season. I want Pitlick to perform well, obviously. But this does make this competition heading into camp a bit more interesting, wouldn't you say? Mm Mm-hmm. I'll say. It it really does. (laughs) The guy who uh, we said, I believe, last week, listen, it's just Meltzer, and he's kind of... He's kind of just throwing it out there to see what sticks, but would he be doing that if he didn't believe there was at least some reason to think Pitlick had the inside track to that job? Well, at least for the time being, he doesn't. So yeah. how do we think this is going to go? And I mean, the thing with, even without Melter saying that, like Pitlick was always going to be like the safe choice for the team to make because he's got NHL experience. They know what they're getting with him. They're not taking a chance on a skinny kid like Farabee. Like that was that, that being there as an option kind of said to me, like the chances of a kid making the team is probably not great because NHL GMs are going to go safe whenever they can. I am so sick of the safe choice. It's the worst. I'm just so so sick of it because safe is boring. And I've, just I've had it with boring safe flyers hockey. I'm I'm fucking done. Just wait till you see the way they play this year. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I think they're gonna win. I think they're gonna win more than they have. But just looking oh. at how things are, all right, Couturier, Hayes, uh, Patrick Lawton. We're gonna play a certain way. And it might not be uh, like the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's all I'm saying. It's not going to be because only the Tampa Bay Lightning can play like the Tampa Bay Lightning. Listen, I'm I'm just fine with boring wins. The Glitter! Colorado, yeah. Exactly. I don't think it's going to maybe be like those teams. After the last two years, I'm I'm perfectly fine with boring wins. Yeah, just win. Just win. That's all I need. Just win, baby. Yeah, the, the thing about the whole, like, that whole pit lick idea of being, you know, third wing. It's just that 
and, and I guess I understand it because at some point, like, I guess you need to have someone centering that fourth line. But to me, the chalk choice was Lawton because he's the guy who played there last year. Like, he was the guy they moved up into the top nine for the bulk of the second half after after Wheel got traded, after Verbia flamed out. Like, he was the he was the extra top nine guy. So to me, like, he was the, the chalk choice. But I guess if you don't have a center, like, is, you know, is he just have to play fourth line center unless Vorobiev makes the team? Uh, they also said Pitlick can play some center. He can't. So. He can't. All right. No, I mean, it's, I'm it's, just, I, I get it. Like yeah. he has center on his on his like hockey reference profile, but like the guy is pretty much exclusively played wing in the NHL. I don't want to just throw him in at center just because like well he's a center. No, he's a wing. I, yeah. They. I went to ask this when we were doing the top twenty five, but it ties in. I know there was some talk about Rubstov. What position he's he can play. play? He actually can he play. He can both. play both. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you think his chances of making this team are more at winger center? Mm, that's a good question. I think I feel like the need is more at wing. Be- but if you but have it, is Lawton, he stronger at center. If you have Lawton at that third line wing spot, all of a sudden four C is open. If we think Rubstov can play that spot and like beats out a guy like Vorobiev who had his chance and blew it. I'm, I'm so I'm that. so pissed off at Vorobiev. Like I, I <laughs> that take makes it, me so sad. Well, I take it personally because you had your shot and you blew it, and you are really not trying that hard to make it back. I took it Hell personally simply because, like, I just yelled, "Play the kids! I don't care. They have to be better." <laughs> and after two games, he, wasn't. he just wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. Now Thanks you make lot, me look head. like a fool. Like I take it. I take Vorobiev personally because you know that that Tyra Banks gif, like. I was rooting for you. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that's how I feel about Vorobiev. I was on your side. I was rooting for you, and you just stunk it up. So it's basically Bill with Peter Morozik. Yeah. Oh, right. but not as bad because well, yeah. I didn't want to extend him to a four-year deal after a week, after three games. <laughs> we didn't have a goalie. He <laughs> was good. I don't. I, I don't know though about Rusev. Like, I, I guess it would make sense that the easiest path would be to make it at wing because yeah. to make it at center would involve some maneuvering, and it would have to be in the fourth line. And the question is, do you really want him making the team on the fourth line? I wouldn't have a problem with it. I don't know if the Flyers would have a problem with it. So you would think that the path of least resistance for him would be to make it as a wing. And he's played wing. Like he played wing with the um, with the the Teton. That's how you pronounce it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he played wing with, with the with the uh, the Teton. So uh, which is actually spelled Titan, but it's pronounced yeah. Teton. Um, so yeah, like that would that would seem to make sense. You know, if he would make the team as third line wing or fourth line wing. But again, there's a lot of balls in the air here because. As you said, you know, let's say Lawton is the best of the guys competing for that spot in camp, and they're like, well, we're our best possible team. If he plays on the third line, then you need a fourth-line center, and then it becomes, okay, well, who's your fourth-line center? I guess it's one of Rupsov or Vorobiev, especially if, as I said, I don't think Pitlick is a center, but if you if you if you decide he could be, he's not even going to be showing up until the end of, the end of September. How are you even going yeah. to know? I kind of love the idea of a raffle... Uh, Rubstov, Lawton, fourth line. That'd be neat. I kind of well, love that idea. I mean, that's the, I think that's like the, that would be the really cool thing. Is it because we're all talking about, you know, which, which, if any of the rookies are going to make the team? It would be cool if a couple I'm, of them. I'm that would be to, the dream. I'm starting to come to grips with the fact that it's not going to be Frost or Farabee. So I am mm. thinking like, it right. probably, like we, we need to like really get that it probably will not be Farabee. He's just so skinny. I want Frost anyway, so. I mean, he's, we've been he waiting to play a whole lot Frost. of wings though. Mm, that's true. 
I, I, we just like as a collective, would it be really fucking cool to see Joel Farabee on this team next year? Yes. Yes, it would. Is it going to happen? Probably not. Not out of camp. At least. Not out of camp. No. Could yeah. it happen later in the season? Absolutely. But like, let's just, let's just take a step back. Morgan Frost, it would also be really fucking cool to see him make the team out of camp. Yeah, I just lump those two together regardless right, of but who they has shouldn't, the better chance. They shouldn't and, be because yeah. Morgan Frost, we've been waiting for him a year longer. He's had a year more in his development. Two years? No, no, no. no one, a year. One. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he has bulked up. Now, I say that with some hesitation because he's still... A little, a little lean, but yeah, but like they how, all are. Yeah, he's the kind of guy where it's your question is how much do you want him to bulk up? That's I don't know if point. I want him to put on much point. more weight. Yeah, like obviously I want him to get stronger because I want everyone who's under the age of twenty three and trying to be an NHL or to get stronger because you'll get better if you get stronger. Yep. But I don't know if I want him to be any more bulky than he is that's because fair. that's just not his game. You yeah. heard it here first, kids. Steroids endorsed <laughs> by Charlie. <O'Connor. laughs> oh no! <laughs> well. Well, I'm even just going back to like Sean yeah. Couturier. Like Couturier obviously was NHL ready right out of his draft year because he made the NHL. But around the age of like 22, 23, it was when he kind of took the leap from just being like a good bottom sixer to being like the guy who I was defending like crazy to everyone because his underlying numbers were awesome. To me, the biggest thing he got better in was he started winning all of his board battles. Like, he got stronger, and he got to the point where if he went into the corner, he was getting the puck. And that was noticeable in comparison to him in his first and his second year. He was Yuri Laterra-esque along the board. Yeah, he actually just could do other things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> other things really well. But that's the kind of thing, you know, you don't necessarily get that kind of strength until you're 22, 23. So our pal, Billy Meltzer, uh, took it a little step further than just talking about the third line this week. He started... Uh, messing around with all the uh, all the trios and all the pairings and everything. So we're going to talk about what we believe the lines are going to be. And I guess the uh, Drew Coots TK, we can all kind of get on board with that. That's just, barring something extraordinary, that's what it should be. Uh, but line two, this is where everyone's kind of wondering how we're going to use JVR. Because like the way Toronto used him and the way we utilized him a lot last year, Power play one time, third line five on five minutes, you score the goals, we kind of shelter you the rest of the time. Uh, Meltzer, similar thinking. Limblom, Hayes, Voracek. It speaks to my interests. Um, I love Oscar Limblom, but what do we think about that being like the second most like 17, 18 minutes a game of these three? That's I mean, ideal for me, Yeah, honestly. And also, I mean, to be honest, like once we signed Kevin Hayes, I don't know how they could have gone another way with this top six like this is kind of what they needed to do yeah I, go, go for I know the big thing is then that kind of that pushes JVR down to play with Nolan Patrick and they didn't have a lot of chemistry they to just start last year but together they didn't play together for very long either so I'm willing to you know give them some more time to just work it out yeah. I'm not really worried about that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Like I, I there were things that concerned me about that pairing, but you would presume that Nolan Patrick will get better as a player and hopefully yeah. as he gets better hopefully. he can then, you know, have better chemistry None with someone like JBR. I I love this second line. Mm-hmm. Like I just to me this is so this is basically, if, if you remember in the second half of 2017-2018 when Patrick was playing really well, the line was Lindblom, Patrick, Voracek, and it was a really good line. Yeah. And to me, this is like the perfect, like this is the better version of that because Lindblom is better and Hayes is 
better than Patrick, I would hope. So this to me, like you got your play driver in Limblom. You got your, you know, defensively responsible center who at least, you know, gets, you know, gets helps helps the puck go from the defensive zone to the offensive zone. And then you got Voracek, who's the playmaker setup guy. And to me, this like this this looks like a hell of a top six. If this is your top six, like the Drew Kateri connecting line has been one of the best lines in hockey when they've used it over the last two years. And this Limblom Hayes Voracek line, I don't see any reason why I can't drive play, and I don't see any reason why I can't score. So then your biggest problem just becomes, does this JVR Patrick thing work on line three? And while that's a concern, if these top two lines are as good as I think they can be, I mean, it would suck if Patrick isn't playing well because he just doesn't have chemistry with JVR. But you know what? I'm in the business of winning hockey games. Yeah. And if this is my top six and this top six can run train on the opposition, I'll deal with underachieving Nolan Patrick. Yeah, absolutely. Run train on the opposition. Charles O'Connor. No, it, <laughs> the last few years, I have leaned towards let's help these players develop what's the best for their individual situation. I don't care about any of that anymore. No, I don't have time Be for that good shit or anymore. Go home. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah, done exactly. with all of it. Uh-uh. I, I, Can't I, hold your hand anymore, no, bud. There's, there's no mm-hmm. more of that. If you're all of a sudden now just the fourth line center, Nolan Patrick, because guess what? Scott Lawton's the 3C because he knows what to do out there. That's just the way it has to go. Nolan Patrick is going to be good this season. Thank you. I hope so. I, hope so. I mean, pro hockey talk had it. I mean, talk about just an intuitive sort of uh, just this is analysis. The Flyers could use a breakout season. From Nolan Patrick. It would be oh, cool. wow. Big if true. <laughs> be nice. Oh, wow. I don't want to talk shit on anyone writing out there about the Flyers. Thank you for your service, but no shit, Sherlock. Uh, <laughs> oh, I just had to really laugh at that one. No, it, yeah, it, the weird thing about this. The Flyers could use a big year out of that Carter Hart kid. Have you heard cool. of it? Oh, wow. <laughs> That'd be cool. Wow, no. I didn't think of that before. No, the weird thing about the, uh, the JVR-Nolan Patrick combination is just that the thing I didn't like about it last year is that both of them, like both of them, seem to like to get to the net and the slot front area and make themselves available for passes. And the re- that was to me what made it a weird combo is like, okay, well, you need somebody to get you the puck, and neither of them want to get the other one the puck because they want to be the one that gets the puck too. Um, like I almost wonder if, and I've thought about this for a while. Like I almost wonder if the the best center for James Van Riemsdyk on this team is Morgan Frost, which is we- Ooh, which is Charles. weird because it's like okay, well then what happens to Nolan Patrick? And Nolan Patrick is also a center, but like Frost is the setup guy, and he's the guy who carries the puck through the middle of the ice and that does that kind of stuff. Whereas Patrick doesn't generate a ton of entries and is more of like a scoring chance creator rather than a scoring chance playmaker. So I like stylistically, I feel like the Frost. JVR connection could in these in theory be good but then it's like well what does that do for Nolan Patrick and you know you need to get more out of Nolan Patrick so it's just it's one of those things where like I don't think there's a good answer but I you know you're just kind of hoping that him and JVR if this is the way it plays out figure it out I think um I definitely feel that as well um and I think part of that is why I would really like to see uh Obey Kubel on that third line, because that's something he's been really, really good at so far in the AHL, um, based on like numbers that I've tracked and getting the puck up ice in transition and kind of feeding his line mates. Um, he's done really well with generating chances with more 
kind of strictly offensive minded okay. players. So I think there could be definitely be a fit there. Um, so I would like to see that. But so with the risk of getting yelled at here, what does this team do? If Nolan Patrick has another bad year. No, 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 no. We're not doing And Morgan that. Frost is looking really good. And you genuinely think Morgan Frost and JVR would be good together. At what point does this become a big problem? Well, you see, we're not putting that out into the universe. Okay. And P4C. No, but I, I mean. We're not putting that out into the universe. At, at this point, you know what? Like, you know, you, you play for your spot. Yeah. I think that that's what it boils down to. Like, if you look, I really want to see Nolan Patrick be good, and I think he will be good. But if he's getting outplayed by someone else, that draft pick is a sunk cost at this point. Yeah, I mean, you I, can't you can't go back and remake the pick. If he's getting outplayed by someone by another prospect on the team, tough shit, Nolan Patrick. Either you move to wing or you know whatever. We'll figure it out. But like. You cross that bridge when you come to it because if you're getting outplayed by another prospect who's basically your age, you know, play better. It's just one of the, and it, I think it works well because Frost was in the same draft class. So we can just do the mental gymnastics and pretend yeah. that Frost was two. Yeah, and we got, we got yeah. Noah Patrick, Braden Shen, who Ron Hextall didn't like anyway. Yeah, we fine, love fine. revisionist history around yeah. here. We're going to have no problem with that. Like, you know what, Donnell Pumphrey, bad draft pick. What even is a rank? But they just went and got Corey Who's Clement, and I just pretend yeah. they drafted him in the fourth round. <laughs> that's and right. And that's the same shit. <laughs> Local same. boy, we love him. Yeah, exactly. Glassboro. Okay. No, like, if, in all honesty, and this is, it, it's tough to do because obviously, you know, you spent the pick. Yeah. It's a first round pick. It's a guy we who you invested. We chanted his name. In. Well, but I'm not even talking about Patrick. I'm just talking yeah. about, the, in theory, the whole concept. But in reality... And this is why I I honestly respect Kelly's view of the whole thing is that like once a guy is in your organization, really the the round they were taken in doesn't matter anymore. Like all that matters is how good they are. And if a guy who you took really high isn't as good as a guy who you took lower, like he shouldn't get more opportunities than the guy who you took lower who is better than him. This is a meritocracy. You're not based on where you were drafted. If you were drafted high, you're not as good as we expect you to be. Sorry, dude. So speaking of meritocracy, how do we get Yessi Puglia Yarvi? Oh, pool party. Oh, pool party. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, he signed a one-year deal in a Finnish league. It has an NHL out. Basically, if you haven't heard, the Oilers, what was he, like a number four draft pick or something? Yes, number four, because he was supposed to be three. And then Columbus, like in what was criticized at the time, took, um, what's his name? Uh, Dubois. Dubois, yeah. yeah. And Dubois. now that's looking like a brilliant move because he's looking like, a at least at the very least, a very good second-line center, if not a first-line center. And, and Pugliarvi still hasn't carved out an NHL role. is demanding a trade out of Edmonton. Uh, hard to believe anyone would want to leave that oasis. Um, just of great development. And I mean, he's been saying for a while that he doesn't want to play there. Does anybody? Well, I, yeah. I, honestly, like, no. no. Connor McDavid must be oh, an He's dead inside. <laughs> that poor boy. He's lost his soul. <laughs> he's just going to have like a 52-point season. Yeah. And it's just like, ah, I what, can't what do even you want try anymore. What, what do you want from me? Uh, but I, I, I'm not saying I want Pooley Yarvey, but if it's just... A guy to throw into the mix here? Yeah, we- why not? He's got some skill. That's why he went fourth overall. Any interest? No. I. It would depend on how things are shaken out for us in the season. This if is an in-season. We, move. Yeah, this is an in-season move. I don't want to get him right now. 
there's enough here that can fill out this roster that I don't want to give up on. I just don't know. Like I, I, I'm with Kelly in that I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it, but they just have so many other young pieces they've developed that, like, they the Flyers have enough pieces. I mean, whether these pieces are good, we'll see. But they, in theory, have enough pieces to fill out a very good forward core. I don't know if I necessarily, like, to get Pugliarvi, what do you got to do? You're probably going to have to trade away a prospect. Like, But Pugliarvi's kind of still a prospect. No, I was thinking like a fifth-round pick. Well, yeah, I don't think they're trading. Oh, those are very valuable. Yeah, exactly. If, if you could get them for, for a fifth-round pick, sure. But I don't think, I mean, they the Oilers apparently still want a first, which they're not going to get. But, like, <laughs> he just signed a contract with another team. <laughs> well, they still have his rights. <laughs> they have his so. rights, I know, but, like. But that's a lot you're less not valuable. Getting anything. For no. a guy playing in Finland, you're not getting shit out of him. No. Finland. <laughs> I, mean, like, I, I just. Sorry, I had, to do, had to do that for the SpongeBob fans. So the whole like, thing is just funny to me, and I'd like to say his name, honestly. That's why I brought it up, even. Pool uh, party. Billy G. Uncle Bill. Bill Garrett. Oh, Wild so, wait, who the hell is Billy G? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Billy G. <laughs> yeah, Uncle, uh, he's like one of my friends. Just like your buddy up, from like, South Philly? Uncles, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like married his aunt and like tried to get me to become a Devils fan. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> he gave me his autograph once I toured up in front of him. That's uh, amazing. God, you're a, a fucking legend. street hockey. I'll tell you that. He oh cheated street. He played against us. Who are we talking about? Bill Garen, new wild gen- general manager. Oh, you tore up his autograph. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm impressed with Fucking you. Legend. <laughs> he played street hockey against us and goes, "I just want to see how hard I can shoot it real fast." And like tells the goalie to move, rips a slap shot, goes one nothing us. We're like, "Fuck you! You 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 just brought the Stanley Cup over here. Oh. You're playing against a bunch of children." Oh, <laughs> but yeah, he's the new wild. Fuck you, Billy G. Yeah. Bill Garren's the new wild general manager. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't Hextall. I just wanted it to be Hextall. You know, I'm kind of surprised too because what they needed was a restocking of the prospects and the cupboards and everything. He would have been really good. You know, I just you know what be- the you know what the problem is though. Well, I 100 percent agree with you. That's what they need. Yeah. That's not what that's not what wants. he wants. Yeah. He wants a team that's closer. Yeah, I get that. No, I'm not, not, not saying that's not what he wants. Oh, okay. Like, he went into the interview and yeah. told them you need to take your medicine, and the owner there was like, "No, we need to compete." Oh shit! So really? like, yeah, I mean, credit Hextall. Like from what I gather, Hextall just was like, "Look, this is my philosophy. Take it or leave it." And and basically, the owner was like, "No, I want to make the playoffs." You know, I Good respect that, Ron Hextall. It didn't quite work here because you know he's very stubborn. But I respect the hell out of him. It's gonna take some doing, but he set the groundwork. He did what. Part one went fine. <laughs> That's you know, true. It just lasted a little yeah. bit too long. Chapter one of the Ron Hextall story went just as planned here. I just thought it'd be really funny if we got Fletcher and they like they did they the got, goalie yeah, thing that, that teams fun. do every like the Mike Smith phenomenon. Like every team that <laughs> like oh yeah, you Mike Smith signed with the Flames and his old team signed the Flames goal. Like it just happens every year. I the thought carousel. it'd be funny if we did the carousel with GMs. <laughs> That's all. That picture they used of him for the release. Oh my god! Oh, so cursed. Picture. Where did they get that? That was picture. the worst picture I've ever seen that in my whole life. That was a cursed image. I, I don't think know I would what quit. the hell happened. <laughs> if you guys right. posted a picture of like, me like that, he's a fine-looking man. Like, there's nothing wrong with his all face, right. and yeah. they somehow found a picture that made him look like he was like a disease, like <laughs> either like a disease or like an embalmed body <laughs> that died on the beach in Florida and was like really burnt from the sun. Like, it was so weird. I I've know. missed a lot of internet. Oh, you got to find that picture. Oh, it's so It was the wild Twitter account. 
Trump. Yeah, yeah. it was like the tweet announcing the hire, yeah. and it was bad. Oh, no, so so, so funny, funny story, kind of to jump off that. I think we're running out of time, so this yeah, might be the fun. last one. But um, when so when the Flyers hired Vino. I do my article, like everything was my myths, you know, fact or fiction article on, on Elaine Vigneault. And I submit it, you know, at like 1 a.m. And I, I put a, I put a picture in there or whatever. But a lot of times my editor will change the pictures, you know, to find something he thinks is better. I hope my editor doesn't get angry at me for this. But basically I wake up the next morning and the article's published. It get published at 6 a.m. He usually edits the articles yeah. at like 4.35. And I wake up at like 7.30, 8 a.m., and I look at the article, and he changed the picture. And the picture is changed to this picture that, like, makes Vigneault look awful. Like, <laughs> it was a terrible, terrible Aline Vigneault picture. And one of the first, the reason, because my first thing was, maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe this isn't an awful picture. Well, like, the second comment is like, that picture is awesome. How can you find that? <laughs> so I DM, I DM my editor. I'm like, we, we need to change this picture. Like, I don't want, like, he, Elaine Vigno might read this article, and if his first impression of me as a writer is this dude picks the worst picture <laughs> of me, fuck as, Charlie like, O'Connor, fuck this dude. So I'm like, you got it. She's like, I don't think the picture's that. Like, it's really bad. You need to change it. <laughs> Always so, go with the hard nips picture. I, like, look, 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 I am, I, I am all for being critical of coaches and GMs when they deserve it, but like, I'm not gonna make fun of how they just look. No, <laughs> that's just mean. And like, that's not what Gary. I looks have, like. I have found yeah. this picture. Sure. Isn't it delicious? <laughs> it is like the guy is coming off a three-week bender. No, he mm -hmm. looks like a dude who's about to have a stroke. Yes. Listen, yes. after <laughs> I've had a stroke. Nose, yeah. I've had a stroke. Um, I think I looked better than that. Yeah. I, I think that I did. Um, that is horrific. He looks 30 years older than he actually is. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. like in his 40s and he looks like a dead body there. Oh, yeah. He does. He looks like a dead body that had been floating in a river for like two yeah. weeks. Was the there sun. nobody there Ooh. with one of those like the little compacts with a powder to make your face not so shiny? I think it's just a Could bad anybody picture. anybody help yeah. him out? It's the worst picture possible. Yeah, I think it's just a bad picture. I mean, is it possible that, that like that isn't even what he looked like in the picture that they like touched it up and did a really bad job touching it, looks it up. Like yes. Freakishly recolored in some way. Like yeah. somebody put a filter on it or something. Like yeah. everything about it is weird. No, that was yeah. my thought. It looks like it like has... he's super orange yeah. and like the background is like really vibrantly colored. Like everything about it is weird and bad. It looks like it has a terrible filter. Yeah, like yeah. it was literally like the Photoshop version of like my graphic design is my passion. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Photoshop is my passion. We have to uh we have to wrap it up here, Yay. but RFAs, Konechny, yeah, still nothing. The other one, <laughs> anything? Still nothing. Still nothing. Yeah, we got another uh, week that, and a half. Uh, that, I guess we talked. He'll, about, he'll yeah, get was, done before camp. That was last week. We talked about TK, and it was like it might be close. Yeah, that and rumor was kicking are, around on Twitter. Here but. we are a week later. I mean, I'm not killing the guy who said it. I'm just saying. No. I feel like that here one should are. be easier because it, it really should. Is the I'm feels like the still, easiest comparable, and he's that's done. I'm like, still convinced that Konechny is on a boat on a lake. In Canada, fishing, and they just can't. He's pulling the Ryan Hartman. Get, they just can't. <laughs> get, they just can't get in touch with him. I'm convinced. I think he'll be done before camp. I don't think Provorov will be done before camp. No, I'm not mm -mm. feeling good about it. That's no, funny. no. I, I, I am hopeful that Provorov gets done before the season starts. It'll be interesting if all three of those dudes end up 
It's not, not even just the before. three. Like Brock Besser still isn't signed. There's, yeah, just, there's a whole bunch of guys. Yeah, Kelly's just talking defense. Those, yeah, those like, three defensemen that are like pretty comparable all mm. seem to be holding out, waiting for someone to make a move. And if they're all just going to keep doing that in perpetuity, it's going to be interesting. To I see don't. Blinks. It, but it's not just them. That's the thing. No, I know. Like it's it's most of this RFA uh, class, Kachuk, which is yeah, like all of them. it's it, Marner, Kachuk, uh, Besser. Like they're all. All of them. And I love it's, them. Miko, Miko Rantanen. Yeah. Miko Rantanen, too. Like it's it's just it's a very weird RFA year. Know I don't your know worth, boys. what's going on. Stick it Make to the Make that owners. money. Increase the salary cap and hold out next year. I don't want to lock out. I want a player strike. Willie yeah. Nylander. Spicy. Labor he, leader. He is. Make, yeah, he really Put is. him on like a Che poster. Yeah, make, exa- oh, we <laughs> make those shirts. Oh, my God. We would, um, Do it. pending. That is all the time we have for you on PSH Radio this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for having out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Give us the good reviews. We will be off next week for the Labor Day. I might do a solo show because I get bored. Who knows? (laughs) Don't hold me to it. Probably shouldn't have said anything because now people will expect it. Yeah, you're fucked now. Depends on how much I drink that day. Played yourself. Have a great week, everybody.